0: Hello, and welcome to the Cash News Podcast. Informative conversations about all things currency and cash. We'll share insights on the issues affecting the world of cash today, like cash security, payments technology, and the cash supply chain. Your hosts, Tom Meehan and Sean Ferrari, hope to inform industry professionals and support better cash security and management by sharing the latest information on trends, strategies, and technology. This is the Cash News Podcast. Now, here's Tom and Sean.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Cash News Podcast. Uh, I'm Tom Meehan, and I'm joined by my esteemed co-host, Sean Ferrari. It is episode 21, and uh, we're just after the New Year, so happy New Year, everybody. It's going to be a fairly quick Sean and I talking, and then we've got some really great content that Currency Research is going to allow us to share with the audience and Sean will talk about that. But Sean, I think all I wanted to say is I'm still super pumped to see you in person in February. You know, can't wait to get get out to DC. I'll turn it over to you in the interest of time. Great. Thanks, Tom. Yeah, no, we're looking forward to the events coming up in D.C. And we've got the Banknote Currency Conference February 21 to 24 and the Digital Currency Conference on February 25th uh, with a workshop uh, before it from the the Central Bank Digital Currency Think Tank on the 24th. We're, We're looking forward to it. We know the COVID situation right now is a little bit worrisome for a lot of folks. I mean, it's definitely high numbers right now. But the good news is it looks like the severity and the, Infections are, are lower and maybe we're peaking now and it'll, in a couple of weeks, it'll look better. So we're, we're still planning on going ahead. We've got good attendance numbers. We're just a little bit below where we would normally be this far in advance of an event, this particular event. So things are, are trending okay. Um, we've got some great entertainment set up. We've got good program, amazing speakers, um, including yourself, Tom. We're looking forward to it. And also including some, some former guests we've had on the show. Jason's going to be on. We had him on here. He's going to be on one of the panels. Uh, we're looking forward to that and, and many other folks. So should be a great show. In relation to that and what we wanted to bring you today, um, we know there's a lot going on in the world of digital currency um, as always, and we've got a panel during the Banknote Currency Conference with some digital currency experts. But we're focusing that panel really on calling it, you know, from physical to digital the role of cash and CBDCs. So it's not necessarily, you know, a deep dive into the world of CBDC as it is at the Banknote and Currency Conference, but it's more how do cash and CBDCs interplay, what are the benefits of each? Um, What does it mean for cash going forward? What are the roles of each? Those types of things that the panel is talking about. You know, the deep dive stuff would come the next day in the Digital Currency Conference where we really delve into it with more of the technologists. So we've got programs for all those up on our websites. But um, we wanted to bring to you today a sneak peek of that panel on... The role of cash and CBDCs that we will be having. So we recorded a um, LinkedIn live session a few days ago with, with some experts from that panel. We have Jim Naren, who is the first vice president at the Federal Reserve Bank of Philadelphia. And we have some other folks from the panel, um, a gentleman, Jamil, from the the Central Bank Digital Currency Think Tank. I think he's been on with us before. We've at least aired aired some of his stuff before. Zeke Kopik from C-Labs and Frank Knoll from the Treasury Historical Association. They were on talking about CBDCs and what's going to happen. So we wanted to bring that panel to you all. It's about 20 minutes. Feel free to sit there, listen to to these experts chat about CBDCs, CBDCs and, and what it means for cash. And uh, if that interests you, we hope to see you for the whole discussion um, at the actual banknote um, and currency conference at the end of February. So enjoy. Hello, everybody. Good morning, afternoon, evening from wherever you may be joining us from. We are thrilled to have you here for our sneak peek of the CBDC Central Bank Digital Currency panel that we'll be hosting at the Banknote Conference, and it's not an optical illusion. Um, I'm here with with Jamil in person in the same room. Everybody, brace yourselves. Um, we're actually at the hotel um, where we'll be holding the event, uh, checking things out, and, and doing a little planning. So. Um, That's that's where we are. Uh, So we really hope you'll you'll join us for the full panel uh, and we can talk a little bit more about that later. Uh, That'll be happening at the conference. But to get us going, uh, we only have a short amount of time here. Uh, I want to turn it over to Jim Naren uh, at the Philadelphia Federal Reserve Bank. He's the first vice president there. So, Jim, I turn it to you to have a great discussion today on central bank digital currency. Uh, Sean, thanks for
2: that uh, great uh, introduction and thanks to our audience for uh, joining us uh, today. This is just a sneak preview of the the panel that we're going to have at the uh, upcoming uh, conference, so we wanted to use this as a little teaser to some great events that you're going to see at the the conference. So we thought to get started, we would uh, just introduce you to uh, our panelists or have them introduce uh, themselves. And I'll call a, a little bit of an audible here, Uh, Sean, since Jamil's there with you, let's start with uh, Jamil. Jamil, do you want to introduce yourself to our audience real quick?
3: Yes, sure. Um, Thank you, Jim. Uh, Yes, my name is Jamil. Uh, I'm based in New York. Uh, I have 30 plus years of experience in fintech and banking. Um, I run and I'm the founder of the CBC Think Tank, which is a group of academics, researchers, um, and people interested in the space. We we, uh, advise different central banks, help them with research. and do uh, lots of events um, around central banks, uh, uh, specifically around educating and disseminating information. Um, I'm also an author, Uh, I wrote a book on Corda, I'm writing another book on decentralized finance. Uh, I'm a professor at uh, Columbia Business School at NYU and CUNY. I teach blockchain, AI, and machine learning topics, both technical and non-technical. Coder, uh, father, um, and I'm very excited to be here.
2: Shamil, thanks for that. And for our audience, if you haven't had a chance to check out the CBDC Think Tank, uh, you know, it's a great resource for you out there. I encourage you to, to go out and, and check it out. Uh, maybe next we'll go to uh, an a old friend and good colleague of mine, uh, Ezekiel Kopik. Zeke, do you want to go next?
4: Sure, thanks, Jim, and uh, thanks, Sean, for uh, for inviting me. So my name is uh, Ezekiel Kopik, uh or Zeke for short. If, uh, if anyone out there uh, wants to get lazy, it's fine with me. Uh, so I work for a company called uh, C Labs, and we develop the Celo protocol, uh, the blockchain protocol. And my my job there really is to work with central banks um, and focus on public sector um, research and development. Uh, as Jim mentioned before, um, you know we we both work together, although not directly um but i used to work at the federal reserve bank of new york for many years uh focused more on 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 treasury issues and and foreign reserves management and things like that um but now uh working at uh at C labs um you know we're focused on trying to sort of imagine the future of digital currencies uh and of course as you can imagine uh central bank digital currencies certainly play a a big role in that so i'm i'm excited for this excited to have a live event uh excited to see all of you in person and uh, looking forward to this discussion thanks
2: uh, thanks, Zeke, and I have really enjoyed working with Zeke on some issues related to central bank currency around the velocity uh, of money. Uh, so Zeke, thanks for joining us today. Hey, Frank, do you want to go uh, next and introduce yourself?
5: Sure. I'm Frank Null. And I'm president of Null Historical Consulting. And uh, for 20 some years now, I've been a historian and advisor on the technology of money. Uh, I spent most of my time in the banknote world, um, but now I am focused on CBDCs and stablecoins. So that's the quick introduction.
2: So, so Frank, maybe let's stick with you to, to get started here. You, you come from this traditional uh, currency banknote uh, issuance uh, background. Uh, many of our audience listening today come from a, a very similar uh, background. Mm-hmm so you know as we start thinking about this why should we why should we care what problem are we trying to solve from from your perspective
5: well for for the banknote world you really need to start thinking about CBDCs because they're on their way Uh, they're not going to know why it's basically the future and a lot of what's driving this is central banks need to meet the challenge of crypto if you read any of the papers that are coming out, you know, crypto is a serious threat to uh, central bank monopoly. Plus uh, CBDC will allow uh, central banks to fulfill their mission. Uh, one, supplying a medium of exchange, cash or a digital form. And also it'll give them new tools and able to implement monetary policy um, and with uh, programmable money they'll be able to do all kinds of neat uh, policy things and they'll also be able to remunerate uh, cbdcs and maybe if they have to break the zero lower bound so even even though cash is going to be around for a while uh its death has you know been predicted many times uh banknote companies and central banks need to get very serious and very knowledgeable about CBDCs.
1: Frank,
2: thanks for that. Now, Zeke, what about from from your perspective? What should we be looking at? What problem are we trying to solve? Why should we care about this?
4: yeah i mean i I think the answer is different depending on you know where you're sitting you know I think all of us are sitting you know at least on this call in the United states um and I get that question a lot like why why should I care um because a lot of us you know probably most of us have access to bank accounts, we have easy ways in which to send money um you know back and forth to people and so the the reason why we should care might be different in the u s um than in other parts of the world, right and I think that You know, right now, at least the focus, especially in in a lot of the the people that I talk to in the the crypto community, is really trying to solve the issues that a lot of people who are unbanked or underbanked um, around the world are having. And trying to bring some of those same financial services, some of those same tools um, to them that, you know, banks, you know, because of their overhead, it doesn't really make sense for them to worry about, you know, sort of micro lending and, you know, that might be just like a couple of dollars. Um, or, you know, micro insurance of crops for like $5 or something. And so, you know, but with crypto um, and with the digital currency technology, you know, those are problems that we can work to solve. Um, You know, as it relates to the U.S., I mean, I think, Clearly as, as uh, Frank mentioned, you know, we're all going digital. Um, most of us use our phones. Um, and so I think you know, for central banks, you know, we, we really need to start thinking about meeting people where they are here. Um, you know, at some point, we're all gonna just be using our phones and, and be using digital money. And so the central bank certainly needs to start to think about how they interact with that. Um, but I think it, at least in the, the, the first iteration um, you know, it's really about solving those issues for the people who, you know, aren't really part of the traditional financial system, um, because, quite frankly, the business model of the traditional financial system really isn't designed to kind of meet them. Um, and so I think those are the problems, at least those are the problems that we're working on right now.
2: Uh, Jamil, how about you? What's uh, what's your perspective on this?
3: Yeah, I mean, I mean, this is a topic that we're going to cover um, at the conference in the CBDC uh, think tank workshop. Um but um, and, and I'm an entrepreneur. I'm also an academic, and I get this question a lot. Um, I look at it from an innovation point of view. There's going to be significant innovation um, in the coming years. And anybody in some of these traditional spaces, like the banknote space, um, there may be opportunities for them to find ways to innovate as well. So it's entirely possible that the, the paper world of 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 currencies merges with the CBDC world is entirely possible for you to uh create a note that may have some implications with CBDCs. i think that's something that we're going to see down the road um and so purely from an innovation point of view and ways and, and market opportunity business opportunities i think uh, what's happening in the CBDC space is going to be important to keep a tab on uh if you're looking to pivot or add additional services or additional offerings um understanding what those opportunities might look like would be a strong reason uh, to stay in touch with 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 what's happening in the space.
2: So Jamil, let's let's stick with this or we'll stick with you for for a moment on this. So you know, as we start thinking ahead to the future, if we think central bank digital currencies are inevitable, is there a perfect central bank digital currency? You know, and if so, you know what would that look like? What uh, would be some of the features that uh, that we would see there?
3: Yeah, sure. I mean, I don't know what a perfect one would look like. I think that's a very subjective and very uh, long conversation. But I, I like to look at what we can learn from. And I think if you look at what's happening in the stablecoin world with uh, MakerDAO or DAI, the DAI stablecoin, um, they're typically crypto collateral back um, and the, they use algorithms um, to adjust supply. Um, I think there's a lot that we can learn about what's happening in the crypto space and bring it into into the CBC space um, and continue to evolve. I think uh, the perfect scenario, if there was one, is that we take the knowledge that we gain and what's happening in these other spaces and bring it to um, the traditional spaces um, to the benefit of society and human civilization. So if it's really benefiting humans and it's allowing us to have a more stable economy, a stable financial environment. I think that's going to be a big factor in defining what we'd say is is perfect.
2: Uh, Frank, how about you? What do you think, what kind of features, you know, what might we be thinking about? What would a good, if not perfect uh, central bank uh, digital currency look like?
5: Well, for me, um, I think a CBDC should be as cash-like as possible. Uh, and that means, it's allows for private transactions, just like cash does these days. It works on a durable user friendly platform. Uh, again, as, as banknotes basically do, and it should be usable everywhere and all the time, including offline. And that's why I usually, uh, I'm looking forward to some kind of connected banknote component to a CBDC, kind of like Jamil talked about, uh, a banknote that can interact with the CBDC or serve as a platform for it. And given that, you know, banknote is a very traditional, very well known technology, it should be used, I think, as much as possible in the CBDC world, if only to allow for a smooth transition from one platform to another, and to allow people who are not crypto savvy to be able to interact with the CBDC. A a banknote platform is perfect for that.
2: Zeke, what do you think? Uh, Do you have any thoughts on on this? What uh, are some of the features, functionality that we ought to be uh, thinking about for the future?
4: Yeah, I mean, I I agree with both um, Jamil and, and Frank. Um, you know, talking about things that you know important issues like privacy, um, you know, interoperability, which is something you know I think that they they all hinted at. Um, you know, I, I think probably the biggest thing too is is user experience. You know, at the end of the day, um, you know, people didn't create cryptocurrencies. Just to create them just for the fun of it. I mean, they created them to solve a problem, um, you know, and, and that's been working fel- relatively well. But I think one of the issues that we're seeing now is it can be very hard, unless you're a crypto native, it can be really hard to really understand um, how to use these. And so I think, you know, for essentially, especially for a central bank digital currency, um, making something that's easy to use, making something that's mobile, you know, a lot of, um, a lot of currencies really are not really optimized for, say, a mobile phone, um, but everybody has, you know, basically these days, everybody has a mobile phone. And so making something that is mobile and easy to basically to use, um, you know, from just from your phone. Um, at the end of the day, people don't really care about what the underlying technology is as long as it's safe and it's secure um, and, you know, that it's private, their transactions are private. And so I think those are probably going to be the, the biggest issues um, that we're going to Focus on going forward.
2: So, so Zeke, um, you, you've been working on this for a while, but you know, you know the traditional uh, business model out there. As you've started working on this, what, what surprised you the most about uh, either cryptocurrencies, central bank uh, digital currencies? Any surprises for you out there? Anything interesting that you've learned?
4: Yeah, I mean, so as you know, like my background was always in central banks and in traditional finance. And, you know, I think when I first started this, you know, I didn't really understand, you know, a lot of the concepts, especially around like meme cryptocurrencies and Dogecoin and, and all of those things. And I, I, I think that one thing we forget is that, you know, this, this industry is relatively new um, and, you know, people are, are out here experimenting and trying different things. And a lot of times that means this, just them having fun. Um, and I know that when we equate that with money, you know, especially as central bankers, we get very nervous, um, you know, and a lot of times this is, you know, I, I think about when I was a kid and, and you had those toys, you know, to build like cars and things like that, to, you know, and a lot of kids who want to be engineers like love that. Right. And that's how they started. And I, I think for people, you know, I would caution them to say, like, look, we're just getting started in this and you know there might be some parts of this technology that you don't understand there's certainly a lot of parts that i don't understand um you know and there might be some things that you don't really understand why they're popular or, or things like that i think you know that was the surprising thing for me but at the end of the day part of it is about learning and part of it's about growing and and so that's what we're doing not only as an industry within you know the crypto space but i think that also applies you know to the, the traditional sense um and, and i really would would like to say hopefully that we we just try to have more lines of communication because I think from where I sit you know one of the things I I deal with is trying to be that bridge between you know the crypto native space um, which can be sometimes you know fearful of government intervention and censorship and things like that uh, and sometimes for very good reason um, and then I also trying to bridge that with the central banking space um, who can be afraid of fraudulent activity and things like that of course um, and I just want to make sure that we're you know, all meeting in a place of sort of sincerity and kind of coming at this with sort of open eyes and 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 hopefully, you know, recognizing that we're all in this to try and solve some real world problems, um, which at the end of the day is really just giving people access to financial um, services. And we're all trying to do the best we can and, and, and kind of go from there.
2: Jamil, how about you? Uh, any surprises for you? Any sort of interesting, uh, you know, facts that you've discovered along the
0: way?
3: um well i think the surprises every day um in the crypto space um you know like who would have thought somebody's gonna pay 70 million dollars for a for a jpeg um you know i think that was a little bit of a surprise um and i think what's happening right now in the space um and i do i spend a lot of time in in the crypto world um as well as the cbc world uh, and my hope is that the two find a happy middle ground. Uh, But there's an enormous amount of momentum that suddenly has accelerated. Um, And maybe that's because of COVID and these other things. And that was a real surprise um, that there is this larger audience that's coming into into the space. Um, And that is really putting a little bit of fire um, you know, uh, under the feet of a lot of central banks to really uh, engage and understand what this is. And so um, the pace of all of this is a great surprise. I think that's a general theme. I think everybody would agree that where we are today, we would probably not think of being here two years ago. Right. So um, this is enormous growth in the space. There's more and more people coming in, adopting all kinds of uh, um, tokenization of different types of assets. And that's really occurring very, very rapidly. And also there's, I think there's questions around what does it mean? What is a unit of value? What does value mean? What is a unit of value? And so we are going back to questioning some very fundamental, almost philosophical, questions, uh, you know, topics. And I think that's very, very interesting. Um, and it is a surprise in the sense that uh, a lot more people are engaging in the conversation. It's a more global conversation. Um, and I, I'm really looking forward to a lot more surprises this year in the coming years.
2: Uh, some some great points, uh, Jamil. Uh, Frank, what about you? Any uh, any surprises? Any um, you know sort of uh, interesting things you've learned along the way?
5: Well, for me, being in this monetary field for so long and being a historian, what struck me most was the the massive explosion of interest, like uh, Zeke and Jamil have touched upon over the five years, uh, past five years. And I, was looking at some uh, statistics I was digging up for for a project I was working on. And if we go back to 2015, in that year, there were eight papers written on CBDCs. And that was the year that the term Central Bank Digital Currency was coined. And there was one pilot project underway in Uruguay. Now, I did the addition for last year, well, actually 2020. Uh, 2021 was too big a project. In 2020, there were over 90 new papers written on CBDCs, so that's like an 11 or 12-fold increase. And there's now around 60 pilot projects going on, and some are some CBDCs, as people know, are being rolled out right now. So that's just amazing. Um, it's it's getting very hard to keep. Current with what's going on in the field, there's so much being produced, and that's what really surprises me about this field.
2: Frank, I absolutely hear you. <laughs> Just trying to keep up with the uh, the new learning in this in this space. So, Frank, let, let's stick with you here. Um, you know, again, a, a, a big chunk of our audience today, those uh, viewing, uh, listening, you know, come from a traditional central bank uh, issuance uh, background. Uh, you know, are there things that um, you wish we either would do or wouldn't do, uh, either as uh, issuers, central bankers, regulators in, in this space?
5: Uh, coming from uh, the banknote field, what I see when I look at CBDCs is I want issuers and regulators, and and this was mentioned before, I think, by Zeke, you have to remember the user, Uh You know, when you're in banknote design, you're focusing on the user experience, user acceptance of the note, and that really needs to start filtering into thinking about CBDCs. Um, And we need to remember there's a lot of non-crypto, non-tech people who will be encountering this, Uh, people who are used to banknote technology, they're comfortable with it, they know how it works, And how do we get CBDCs to kind of work in that same familiar, comfortable way? And we need to remember, again, there's a lot of people who are offline. Um, There's internet deserts around the world, including in the US, where people just cannot connect to the internet on a regular or reliable basis. Some people don't have electricity on a reliable basis. And that all needs to be thought about, the offline component of CBDCs. And again, I think that's where banknote technology is perfect way to access CBDCs. So for me, it's always remember the user when you're doing these designs.
2: Uh, Frank, that's a great uh, reminder. Azik, what about from, uh, from your perspective? Are there things that you wish we would, wouldn't do uh,
4: as uh, central bankers, issuers, of regulators? Sure. I mean, I think, um, you know, going along with what Frank said, I mean, certainly remembering the user, and I think to take that a step further, um, and I don't think this is something that central banks are, are sort of, you know, doing now in the sense of neglecting it. I think it's, first of all, you know, there's just so much going on with CBDCs, right? There's just, it's a massive project. Um, One thing I would remind people is, you know, despite all the speed that we talk about, um, you know, as as Frank mentioned, you know, back in 2015, hardly any interest. And now I can't keep track of all of the papers and all the projects that are out there. Um, But one thing I would uh, sort of caution is that, you know, real CBDC. You know that's going to end up actually being in use is is years away. I mean, this is like a, a project that's like five to ten years. I mean, I know some countries are going faster um, than others, um, but I would caution that you know we you know we still have time to to think about these things, and and I wouldn't rush into it because as as Franklin mentions, there's there's so many things um, that we have to think about. Um, and one of the biggest things I, I would just make sure that that is on central banks' radar is this idea of interoperability. Um, you know, when you have cash and, and banknotes, you know, you don't really have to worry about that in in, in you know in any major way, right? Um, but when you are thinking about CBDC technology and what you're going to build on, and, and maybe Jamil can talk about this a little bit more since he's really the coder and, and, and the, uh, the engineer, um, but you want to make sure we're not creating these walled gardens, right? That a, cent- that a CBDC that's built on one blockchain platform, if a central Bank decides to do a blockchain platform, um, but assuming they do, um, you, know, you don't want to have an experience where users can't then use that in other applications, perhaps in a, a decentralized financial application on another um, blockchain platform, right? Um, because money is really just that—the the means to get places, right? And we don't want to limit the places that people can go. And so, just making sure as we're going down this journey that we really keep, you know, keep in mind um, that we don't want to limit ourselves as far as you know, users can only use, you know, one, you know. One blockchain versus another, right? It's sort of the idea of like if you had an email service and and I had Yahoo and you had Gmail, um, if I wasn't allowed to send you emails um, to your Gmail account, that would really be kind of pointless, um, you know. And so we need to make sure that that all of that is is easy and and sort of you know interoperable.
2: The, that uh that email example is just a great uh, analogy there Uh Jamil, what do you think uh, anything you would wish that we would or wouldn't be uh, focused on as uh, central bankers issuers regularly yeah,
3: sure so we we advise a bunch of different central banks um, one of the first things we tell them is and sometimes this is a shock to them is that you don't need a blockchain to build a cbc right so um and actually this is something that we'll be talking about in the conference uh uh the china cbc and how they built their their cbc platform it's uh, a centralized utxo system we can cover that at a different time um but you don't necessarily need blockchain uh to build a a robust um, digital currency platform um because if you're a central bank the idea of decentralization um is something that may not be necessary uh, however, using something like a DLT, which means a little bit different than a blockchain, may make sense if you're looking to have consensus between uh, uh, multiple banks and the, and the central banks. Um, that's one. Two, uh, we suggest often to uh, build some form of a lab and experiment heavily, right? So try to experiment uh, and not really uh, worry about failure. This, this is not to say to publicize any kind of failures that occur, but You know, create create an environment where people, staff, can test things and different ideas, and what that builds is this internal competency, which is really, really important. uh, Because in many ways, central banks are being caught by surprise with all of this, and so I think it's very, very important to build that internal competency and not rely on vendors to tell you how the world should look like, uh, but kind of build that internal. Um, knowledge base through experience, through exper- experimentation and testing on different things with different products and different protocols. And the third, I think, is to reach out to other central banks, right? Um, there, there is this kind of silo effect um, and a conference like that that we're having in the end of February is a great way to meet other, other people and share ideas. And other central bankers, and then you know, contact them later and say, "Hey, what are you doing here? What are you doing that?" And then that, that kind of communication. And the think tank that I run, we do a, you know, that's our purpose, and we we do whatever we can, our small part, in doing that. But the importance of communicating, uh, communication between the different central banks, and sharing of information and sharing ideas, uh, beyond just writing white, white uh, papers and things like that, I think is going to be very, very important uh, in the coming years
2: so sean i know we're just about out of time i, I do want to take a moment to thank uh, our panelists today for giving us a, a sneak preview of course we all look forward to, to seeing you at the conference including from uh, several of my uh, federal reserve uh, colleagues who will be uh, in attendance and, and presenting there sean let me uh, turn the floor back over to you to, to close this out
1: great thanks jim and i'll echo your your thanks to everybody on the panel it was a great discussion and as, as Jim and Jamil and Zeke and Frank said, you know, the there's so much going on in this space and with the past few years of not being able to get together, uh, it's hard to disseminate all that information. There's a lot of papers, there's a lot of reading, a lot of summaries, a lot of online content. But as we know, the online, it's great like this to be able to get information out and start a dialogue, but it's really hard to, to network and dig into a example or share a success or share a failure even um, that, that might have occurred to, to learn from. So we're looking forward to doing that at the end of February. So thanks for joining us. We will have a fuller discussion with, with these folks and, and many more um, on a whole bunch of different topics um, at the first the bank note and currency conference at the end of february february 21 through 24 uh here at the renaissance hotel in in dc and on the 24th and 25th the focus will be solely on digital currencies starting with the workshop that the cbdc think tank and jamil's team will will lead Uh, we're looking really forward to that to digging into like a lot of detail um on cbdcs so we're we're looking forward to that and then on the friday of that week the 25th um digital currencies in general and and the technical aspects and what's going on there we'll we'll touch on all the topics we talked about here privacy interoperability um inclusion, inclusion yeah all all sorts of topics um on that day so check it out Uh, we'd love to see you here. Uh, It's time we get all back together and talk about this stuff. So I thank the panel and thank you all for listening. And we hope to see you all at the end of February and throughout the next year. Thanks. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to the Cash News Podcast. We hope you found this episode insightful. Don't forget to like and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter and be sure to visit us at thecashnews.com to stay up to date with the latest on the world of cash. Thanks again for listening to the Cash News Podcast.